Hi, this is Catherine Latimer from the John Howard Society of Canada, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lawrence De Silva. And the last time we um, brought you a special edition of Voices Inside and Out, it was to talk about uh, two prisoners who'd contracted uh, COVID-19 at Port Cartier. And since then, uh, we have been alarmed at the number of prisoners who have been Um, subjected to this illness in the federal prison system and wanted once again uh, to bring you up to date based on what we know and what we're hearing and to give you some ideas about things that could be done to address this particular problem. So let me just give you some information about what we know and this is information that's uh, publicly available on CSC's website about how many are being tested and how many are being tested positive for um, COVID-19. And we've seen a significant increase, a particularly troubling increase, at Mission Medium Facility in British Columbia, where between uh, April 10th and April 11th, there was a 40% increase in the numbers. So there are now 35 people who've been tested positive for COVID-19 at Mission. There are... 17 at Joliet Prison in Quebec, 10 at Port Cartier. I, I think I always believe that they're, they're, they're far worse than what their uh, CSC is showing us. Yeah. You know? I mean, you're raising a very interesting point about how they decide to test and who they decide to test because if you're not testing, you're not going to get positive confirmations. Most definitely. And it, there seems to be a huge variation um, from institution to institution. For example... At um, Grand Valley, 88 tests have taken place, which is by far the largest number mm-hmm. of tests. And at Joliet, which is a, a, another rather sm- you know, smaller institution for women, there's only been, I think, about 17 tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that case... There were thirty three guards who tested. But positive. I think that's so, why. I think that's why they like you know they still they still should have did way more tests. The whole institution after thirty three guards being tested, whether it's, it's female or male, yeah. Yeah. you know the whole institution needs to be checked now. Everybody needs to be uh, isolated properly, uh, or with or without. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, involuntary or voluntary. Like I mean, it, it's going to happen. You know what yes. I mean? It needs to happen uh, because at the risk of the risk at someone dying at the institution right now, it's beyond just a little bit of isolation. Yes. Um, uh, but I believe the whole institution should have been tested. And I, uh, I honestly believe that it's the guards that are the ones that are bringing this in. And I'm not taking shots at the guards. I want the guards to understand this. You're the ones that are going out inside of the community. Everybody else is on lockdown. You know what I mean, um, you're the only one that that has the the ability to you know bring this stuff inside because it ain't in there lingering. You know what I mean? Everything was cut down. Visits were cut down. I just I don't feel enough is being done. I really yeah. I really don't. I feel, I feel really really disappointed with the government. The government announcing you know what I mean that there was going to be some attention to this, and then you know what I mean there's this outbreak. You know, these people are very, very vulnerable. They're coming for like, they're not coming from nice, clean houses. They're nasty states. You know what I mean? Some prisons are very nasty states. I can't speak for the women's side and stuff where they're being tested, but I've been in prison in multiple places and being able to see that and then, you know, know the cleanliness of this and know the abilities of what the institution has because I tested the limits. I shit bomb guards. I pissed bomb inmates. If I wanted to get at people, that's how I got down. And it was nasty and dirty. And they didn't have uh, specialized cleaners to come in there and clean that. 
So it's just, it's, it's scaring the shit out of me right now. If I was in there right now, I would be terrified, you know? I think there is a general level, high level of anxiety amongst prisoners. At least that's what we're hearing, is that they're very frightened about con- catching yeah. this this disease, which can mm. be deadly, you know, no question. I mean, a lot of people survive it, but it, it, there are a fair number of people who we, are not We have to it. remember that there's a lot of people in jail um, that have already medical conditions, whether they're old or not, yeah. whether they're eligible for parole or not. These, these things are irrelevant when it's coming to somebody's health. Yeah. I don't believe CSC's walking in there with proper face guards and masks and gloves and stuff. And we'll get into that in a minute, but I, it, it's a risk. It's, it's a risk to these people and their families. Yeah. So I don't believe that they signed on for that. Well, certainly, I I share your frustration mm-hmm. that not pe- that people have not moved out of the prisons. I mean, a lot of people have been indicating that that is the way that the epidemiologists and the human rights advocates and the lawyers and the doctors it's have the been sensible saying yeah. should be dealt. Is this the way to deal with yeah. this kind of an outbreak? Yes. And there are, you know, easy ways to get people out. There are people who are ready to come out anyway, have been have been seen as being low risk and could easily come out. There are those that have homes to go to who could come out under some kind of house arrest and, you know, I'm sure would be willing to abide by whatever electronic monitoring or conditions would be imposed. And then there are others, as you point out, who already have underlying conditions and are quite vulnerable and really need to be taken out of harm's way. Whether old or young, whether old or young. And we've been told that, you know, uh, the federal government would, you know, consider additional steps. Yes. um, And we were hoping that... It's said in due course, and, you know, the the due course that it's talking about, it's it's placing everybody at risk. As you can see right now from the stats that are coming out, we knew it would get inside of the federal system. But by doing nothing, it, it sets us up for failure. I'm speaking as a previous inmate to feel like, look, man, society's let me down again. You know what I mean? And this is just another shot. Like, I mean, this is so serious right now. Yes. You know, disregard the human beings that are in prison right now. So I I think there are a number of things that we should try and encourage. And one Mm. is doing the best we can to protect those who are in prisons. Mm. And there's a variety of things we can hopefully achieve. Um, And there's some level of frustration with that as well. I mean... So I'd like to talk about that. I'd like to talk about quarantine and mm-hmm. how we're protecting people who are moving in the prisons yeah. and are suspected of having it or getting sure. over it. And also how we're actually dealing with people who are testing positive and find themselves. Well, my, my, my belief from the beginning was that I'm not talking about a regular program where inmates were eligible for parole, you know what I mean, coming up from parole, uh, you know, whether or not they got along with their parole officer or not, you know, I'm not speaking about that. I'm speaking about uh, by stat on paper, the statistic you're showing on paper, if you're eligible within the next couple of months for a statutory release, which is your two-third release, I automatically believe you should be released on ankle monitoring. Uh, you know, early. with yeah, yeah, with the with the agreement under the parole board that you have one shot parole. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's it. You fuck it up, you're you're back inside. Yeah. Not only that, 
you should be placed if you're at risk. Like if they believe like, okay, you know what I mean? You had some violent offenses because this stuff's got to be considered. Prison is a nasty place. There's going to be violence in certain places. I'm sure, I'm sure that these judgments should be at the max levels and at the medium levels to fan them out. So I believe anybody who's eligible for a parole date should be released. Okay. As long as you're not, you know, actively right now, uh, participating in some, you know what I mean? Some, some, uh, security situations. Um, logically the, if these inmates have produced a platform of either one by one shot, I don't care if it was a funeral. I don't care if it was, you know, a medical escort. If you didn't try to escape and you went back, then you should be granted that immediate release under these, these circumstances. We're not asking that people be forgiven their sentence. Their sentence is still going on while they're in the community as long as they're acting appropriately. And as soon as this pandemic finishes, that they be returned to those states and then be released under the credit that they've shown inside of the community. So I believe fanning out by donating parole like that uh, whether it be for uh, full parole, guys who are eligible for, for full parole who've been inside of mediums so that you can clear out mediums, so they can clear out the minimums. And then the guys who can't be released, they can be transferred down to those states while being decontaminated. That's the understanding. We're if you can't be released, we release you down to a medium security. You still have the ability to still have a benefit from this situation. You see what I mean? Like, a real talk. Um, uh, well, being able to stay away from people and do that. If we do that, that's sensibly saying to our prison system that we care about you and we care about the individuals that are inside, logically not everybody can be released. Absolutely. And the, pr the prisoners that remain, we should do our best to make sure that they have... PPE or protective equipment and gloves well, and social look, distance um, and ending I, double I, I would say this. I would say this. It's the guards that are bringing it in. So the guard should be tested on the way in, on the way out uh, by independent, impartial people who, you know, will not side with CSE. They're deciding for human beings that are within the institutions uh, with a well-known I put the temperature on your head like China's doing, and I read your temperature. And if you, if you look sick at any out all costs, I don't care if it's COVID, you're going home. Because there's people in here who can't go home. So, like, as a human being, we should have that decency. You see what I mean? We should have that security. So I believe what, you know, shout-outs to, you know, to Ford right now for, you know, being involved with Conquer COVID-19. But we, we got to understand that the front line is also the staff that are you know, work in the front line. So I believe that the staff should have secure PPE, you know, rolling around the institution at all times, dealing with inmates at all times being secured with their badge on the outside of, you know what I mean? So they're identifiable to the inmates in case there's an issue because that's how it's supposed to roll anyway. And then on top of that, to add some kind of system so as long as guards are watching and they can identify your name, that's on a white shirt. You roll around with it if you're moving around, but you also be able to have the ability to wear a fucking face mask yeah, and have some Clorox fucking hand wipes for your cell to disinfect because the interaction of someone giving you your tray, someone giving you your food, uh, someone giving you your mail, this is an interaction. This is where the carrier comes on. 
if we're not showing attention to this, we're disregarding, you know, someone's, yeah. you know, human rights to be protected from you being the carrier. You're, you're the one threatening my life. Yeah. If, if we're, look, if we're, I'm an ex-federal prisoner, I'm, uh, you know, a rehabilitated citizen, I'm, I'm out here, and I'm compassionately watching the news Well officers are having these interactions with people who are coughing on them more and i'm telling you it's wrong so i'm telling you if that's the state of of guards who are agents of the state who are disregarding inmates who are asking like hey man can you put on a mask or can you make sure you're wearing gloves or changing them you you see the effects and you could get me sick and it's this is this is where the real life real situation comes into play and it's not that i'm trying to provoke you it's that i'm trying to i'm trying to have some protection here we are hearing that Guards have been provided with PPE and masks, uh, but them being provided with the mask and them actually wearing the mask may be two different things. Because we are hearing, for example, one a uh, couple of prisoners at um, Stony Mountain mm-hmm. asked that the guards wear their masks. And their response, tell them the response, please. The, res- the response was... They didn't give a fuck about because the, it was at the it, at the it, warden's uh, direction because they had discretion to wear yeah. the masks or not, and they had chosen yeah. not to do so, which is very dangerous. And it's yeah. not, um, you know, it shows a, a, a disrespect for the lives yeah. of the prisoners who are asking. But it also shows you the culture. It also shows you the culture of CSC. You know, I've been in institutions where the warden has give clear, given clear indications on how guards are supposed to act within the institution, and they completely disregard it. You know why? Because the guard, the 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 guards are there twenty four seven, right? They change shifts and whatever, but they're there twenty four seven. The warden's not. He's there during business hours. He does his little walk and he does his walkthrough and he paper stamps situations without yeah. without really giving protections to the people who are within the institutions. Yeah. And we need yeah. to stop that. And we need to empower the the wardens again to know that hey, look, you know what I mean. If you're acting right, we got your back don't feel like you're going to get pushed out because we support what you do, but there's got to be some innovation here. There's got to be, sure. there's got to be some thinking uh, on the side of CSC to say, I mean, you know, we're going to take a stand here I, and, you know, for the people that we have within our care. I take your point that guards need to know, they need to know the identity of individual prisoners, make sure that incompatibles are not getting together or that they're whatever, for whatever reason I, I gather and I accept that there's a good security reason for that. But I think at a time of a COVID crisis, this is a pandemic. To, yeah. You no, need we're to not, we're not, we're that. not going to, we're not going to sugarcoat stuff. So, you know yeah. what you do in those times I've been an inmate, you're on camera. Like I said, yeah, there's, there's nothing to hide. Your name is supposed to, you put your name on a shirt, like print it right out. Mask, hey, listen, if you don't have your shirt on mask. immediately, you know what I mean? Lipstick your name you, on. No, 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 but no, no, not even. You are not to come out of your cell. You're, yeah. It's your responsibility. You're not to travel without that shirt or that face mask. If, if, you, if, you, if you do, you travel without that mask at risk, at your own risk, within the understanding yeah. and then then with the understanding that you're willing to pass that to other people yeah. so it's not fair yeah. i've been an inmate for 19 years so if you like i mean i'd be terrified right now i i'd be requesting these things and and you know inmate committees and and people who are you know in positions to speak up for inmates right now should be empowered you know not with fear yeah. you know uh you know the, please speak up and i yeah. i mean like my fear is this I'm watching the states right now erupt in violence. I do not want this to 
to happen in Canada because <laughs> I want inmates first to know this. Any inmate, we're posting right away. So whether your family tells you this, you know, these are our words. I don't want you to go off. If you go off, the easiest thing sometimes to do is to go off. Okay, this is scary right now, and I feel your fear. But to do that would give in to CSC to say that these security incidents are real. Although the fear is real, don't give in to it right now. Stay strong. Like, I mean, we're trying to bring voice to it, but as soon as you riot, your name's on that docket. You cannot get out. Plus, you got other stuff that's going to come with that. But I would advise against it because of the effects that are going to definitely happen. Yeah, I think there are things that we should encourage to try and and give prisoners who are in there some measure of support and comfort. For example, the quarantine. Like they, a number of um, family members of prisoners are saying that they they worry about people transferring in. Uh, that there is a lot, of, still quite a bit of churn where people are moving from place to place. And I know that. Um, CSE has implemented a 14-day quarantine for people who are moving into the prisons, which, you know, is John Howard Society has a bit of concern about a length of time like that, which is equivalent to, to solitary co- confinement or administrative segregation. That's a kind of a very cruel, harsh thing for people to have to endure. And there, maybe there's some ways that we can make it easier for people. I, I don't know if you have any ideas on that, Lawrence, but... I'll tell you, as a prisoner, I uh, who's done... A lot of days in SEG, for the right reasons. If we're looking at citizens outside who are being asked, even if they were ill, um, to be asked to be in quarantined or being quarantined a certain way where it was humane, where they had like access to their, you know, they're still their TV, their radio, access to the phone uh, with protection of not getting anybody else sick who would use that phone with um, the ability to disinfect those phones so you don't pass the fear on to other inmates inside while still caring for people. I think that 14 days is, you know, respectable because we're asking our own citizens to do that. So inside as an inmate, I could do that if you would afford me the ability to disinfect my TV have that brought down, still with the ability to get my mail, have that brought down, disinfected, still have the ability maybe not to uh, so socialize with people, but have my own little yard space where if I needed to get the fresh air, I could get that. Like I have my own ideas because I've been in these institutions. So with the quarantine situation, because of circleized air uh, within the institution, anybody who was sick, I'd, I'd get you out of there. Uh, the ability of our country. Um, there's 14,000 prisoners, for one. Our our province alone can test 14,000 people. I'm sure that we can take out one day and test our whole, our whole prison, uh, our whole federal prison system. Those tents that the Army is not using right now should be allocated to prison tents outside on prison compounds. Anybody who Google Earths right now, any compound or prison that they know, Archambault, Donnacona, you know, um, the SHU, the Regional Reception Center, let's talk about Port Cartier, uh, um, Edmonton, Saspen, you know, the list goes on. It just, it goes on. Mission. If you Google Earth these, you can see the, the, these penitentiaries have a lot of land that the, the prison system is not using right now. So if you get tents that are allocated to those spaces, 
you have wood burning stoves or you know some kind of heating system that's out there and you have med staff you have terror you have towers in these areas citizens should be looking at this and be should be should be scared because listen um even though the people who are in jail have committed crimes their family didn't so those those family members are out there and they're suffering just like if your family got sick what would you do if your family was there? If they had gun towers that were there, could monitor people, why are prisoners in those spaces and, and, and in safe zones so that you're not getting other people sick? Yeah. You know? And I think that's, I mean, I had been speaking to a prisoner who had come down with some, with a cough and some sneezing. And the other prisoners that he was cohabiting with were quite adamant that he needed to get to healthcare right oh. away. It, this was not. Well, it's a double-edged sword, you see, because at one level, I'm going to tell you as an inmate who's been inside, you know you're not going to get health care. And then you know when you do say you're sick, you're going to be penalized. Like I said, you're not going to have your personal effects in your cell, all right? They're not going to be brought down to you. You're not going to have your effects. You, they're supposed to get levels of supreme health care right now because they're within the federal institution and they're within the federal government's care. They're giving no stat on how this is going to affect the pen or family members whose, whose families are, are going to die in there or be alone in there sick, you know, without care, you know, without proper separation. You know, it's it's So, so you're scary. basically recommending, I mean, we've seen this like at the Ebola crisis and whatnot, that there looked like there were a lot of medical tents set up that were made available. So you're suggesting you could you could set up these medical tents and get people who are uh, need to be quarantined out of the actual Definitely. building and, 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 and put listen, into and, and comfortable they, Yeah, right now, right now. Yeah. If you don't start thinking outside of the box and start doing this, this is what naturally what they're doing in other places. You need to do this now. You needed to do it yesterday. You needed to do it since March when we were first speaking about this and you were sending tweets and, and you know, advisements yeah. and letters out to, you know, to individuals when this stuff w- was still in the air before borders were even being locked off. Our prisoners and, uh, you know, were at stake and they were vulnerable. And when I yeah. say our prisoners, I say, yeah, that's because of th- those are the people that are being held within our prison system right now. I mean, the one thing we don't really know is where the people who are tested positive are being placed for treatment, because we know they're now contagious. Well, we right? know we know in Port Cartier where they were placed, and they were placed into segregation. And I and I I, I spoke at that at the, at the last podcast that I had the opportunity to speak on, and I mean I've been in the seg there. I've been uh, in multiple units of what they used for seg, and it's nasty as fuck. And you all you always have the ability to spread the contagion to somebody else. When you're sick, all you want to do is sleep. And when you have the ability to get heat to your system, which is your one shower a day, you're going to take that. So if these inmates are being placed around other inmates who have the, you know, you, you know, the virus, that's going to jump from the shower as soon as the it's other inmates shower. to go in there. It's a communal shower. You go in another, it's a cell that has a, a faucet out of it. That's everybody uses that. We don't all have our own shower. Yeah. So what I mean, so like, you know, the risk of this spreading, it's it's putting us all at the YMCA where fucking, you know, one guy is sick and guaranteed I'm going to fucking get it as soon as I get in that. And if not, I'm going to carry it and then it's going to be in this cell. And what, what might happen is they might identify the inmate who they're 
placing on the lockdown in the seg and then pay some company some astronomical amount of money instead of giving fucking the disinfectant to the inmates to clean these areas appropriately all the time some astronomical amount of money to clean one cell while all these other cells are infected now you see what I mean? So it just, it's going to spread. It's going to, no matter what you do, it's going to spread unless you take appropriate actions. And those actions need to come through communications of people both knowing the, the, how the system operates inside and how also the people um, act, you know, just mainly in general. Like you're hearing guards saying, hey, I don't give a fuck what the warden says. Yeah, that's the truth. You know, this is the, this is the reality of guards in general. The wardens go home. The guards run the show. But this is a fucking pandemic right now. And if we don't start examining all of the areas where there's vulnerabilities, then these are the lives that are at, at stake here, man. And I, you know, I can't sleep easy like that. I know last time we talked, you had recommended that the um, uh, trailers for the personal family visits, which are not going to be used for personal family visits at this time, be made available uh, for the people who are, yeah, I are did diagnosed that. Yeah. with COVID-19. Yeah, I did that. You know, I did that with the sensibility of saying, hey, look, if there's three three inmates that are sick, if immediately if you get them out and you quarantine the area, you have the ability of protecting the inmates and also the, the population now because we know that the, the inmate population is at risk. Whatever population you're in within the institution, you're at risk. Yeah. Furthermore, it's the guards that brought it in because if you've cut all institutions, uh, it's the guards or the nurses themselves that are the ones who are coming into the yeah. institutions. It's only logical to say that if we're not preventing, if there's not some kind of measure at the door, if there's no defense at the door, then everybody's vulnerable beyond the gate. Yeah. You see what I mean? So like... You know, placing those inmates into the state at that time, what it took them out of the circulation of the institution for further spread. Because now we don't, we don't, like, I'm, I'm so serious when I say this. I believe there's so many more inmates that are contaminated at Port Cartier. If they would have moved the three right, right away to the, um, to, the, uh, to the trailer visit area, they would have been able to secure the guards who weren't infected. They would have secured the, the inmates who weren't infected and been able to, to get to the areas of where these inmates were with the possibilities of those inmates showing signs because they weren't prepared. And yeah. we said that from the beginning. They weren't prepared. You know, this is not, the, this is not a flu. This is, this is, yeah. this is a, a super bug that can kill you. And I, I mean, you know, not, not having a true plan and not being able to have a conversation. Like when I say this, look, I want Ann Kelly to know this right now. Not an enemy. You know, we got our hand out. We want you to listen. There's things that you could be doing right now. And there's there's also people who would believe in you and support you right now as their commissioner protecting their family member in there. I think, I think you raise a very good point about um, the number of people having it probably being unrepresented. Like what we're hearing is mm. if you're going to be punishing people by putting them in segregation, if they acknowledge that they have symptoms, they're not going to want... They're not going to report it. Yeah. And so I think it's very important that the accommodations or how you deal with who are diagnosed as having COVID-19, that they find themselves in fairly comfortable circumstances where their health issues are being addressed. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're going to be burying stuff, which is only going to inflame the contagion within the prison, I think. We'll start off with the women and move right down to the men. We only know they have a small population, so let's do it and move on. 
Yeah, you I know think what particularly I mean? so in Joliet. Right. Okay. Like, if you've I, got I mean, 33 guards who haven't. That, that's crazy. That's yeah, crazy that, right that now. That seems that's, like a, that's, a... You know, because listen, I, and I, I, I want to say this. It's only a matter of time before the institution invokes with the protection sensibly through the union of a 128, like not going to work. Yeah. It's dangerous. If, if 33 guards got it, that means that those that those 33 guards were in contact with inmates. Are you fucking kidding me that they weren't and we're just going to act like inmates ain't sick in there? They are. And then, like it's it's only a matter of time before there's a you know there's a a failure in the institution and we're also not prepared for it. So I hope Ann Kelly's listening to it. The last thing I want is an inmate riot going off or or guards feeling like they have to you know provoke those situations that inmates do that because you know some of us sometimes are so gullible that we do that and at these times it's a security incident you know what i mean we're like where my life's at stake and you know what i mean like i'm gonna feel i like that's i i feel this way and i ain't even in fucking prison man yeah i think the other thing that we really need to worry about is the level of care that's being provided to those that are sick i mean some people have relatively mild symptoms and they might be fine just waiting in their cell for it to pass others will not be so lucky. And already five prisoners from Mission have been shipped to the local hospital yeah. for treatment. So they're obviously suffering. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have problems breathing. I have asthma. Uh, it's terrifying. I think there's a real um, difference from institution to institution about the quality of the health care that people are experiencing. If the women's institution, which is Grand Valley, is getting 88 tests, you've got health care providers who are concerned about whether or not um, these people need to be tested. Yeah. But you're not going to, you're not consistently not finding that number of tests being applied at the men's institutions where there's a significant outbreak. CSC will say that they're using the advice of the public health authorities in terms of who should be tested. Yeah, but that's their own employees. Yeah, but it it is their their own contractors, doctors who are interpreting what those health what those things are, and And that's yeah. Doctor Tam, when you know, recently acknowledged that she is very concerned about the potential spread of these um, of the virus in institutions like prisons, and that there should be more testing. The women should all of the women should be tested, but we have a lot more fucking men. You know what I mean? So let's get going, people, and test our prisoners. Yeah, I think. Prisoners do need to be empowered uh, to do what they can to fight this. I also think that where you're in an institution like Mission, where there is a significant outbreak, you really need to take care of the prisoners who are there. So adequate mm-hmm. nutrition, getting them as strong and physically fit and able to defend themselves as possible yeah. is key. And what we're yeah. hearing from Mission is some real problems with the food supply. I don't know whether it's true or not, but we're hearing that the kitchen the kitchen was shut down and um, the meals are being prepared an hour away mm-hmm. and shipped to people and the sizes are inadequate. So men are uh, frightened about the, the spread of the virus and they feel that they're starving to death because they're not getting enough food. And in their frustration, they are you know, trying to bring that to the management and basically being told... Hey, if you if you don't like it, you're gonna be dragged off in handcuffs and thrown in yeah. the fucking hole, and 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 you know uh, on, on voices inside and out, you're gonna hear um, what we hear. Uh, all right, we'd love to put people on the line. Sometimes we don't have the ability to have them on the line right away, or they can't go online because 
the risk of you know the person being targeted by CSC inside. We're not talking about Ann Kelly's CSC. Yes. We're talking about the CSC that's in there that works within the institution that has its own agenda that don't like what you say, puts them at risk, it exposes what they're doing, and then makes them vulnerable because it's the truth. This thing is not going away. With that being said, the effects of the lockdown right now, the effects of how long your whether CSC is saying, hey, we're giving these guys access out of the cell this long. We don't know that. We don't know that. We don't have a pipeline. We really don't have, you know, a clear picture of what's going on. Because, I mean, what so, we are hearing is that the time out of cell is very limited. So, mm-hmm. for example, at Dorchester, mm-hmm. they're out of their cells uh, 45 minutes, three times a day. Mm-hmm. So that's now that's a medium. Two and, almost two and a half hours, but it's still not very now much. Now that's a medium. You see, they can just do that, and then we're just supposed to act like people's rights don't exist. The effects of lockdown right now are so serious. Yes. All right? I think we and have I, to be worried about I really their mental well-being. Say this. And, yeah. I really want to say this. And I, I, I feel as an inmate, I, I owe inmates uh, an opportunity to, to speak about the effects of being locked down, not knowing when it's going to end especially with the fear of this right now. You know, those who are still with the ability to, to watch the news, that's all you really do is watch TV inside. You're on lockdown. So yeah. you're going to work out, you're going to lock down, you're going to work, you're, you're going to, you know, try to keep as much of your routine as you can get without getting out of that cell. But it's the, the, the media is not being the fear monger. It's being the truth teller and saying that, look, even citizens outside are not respecting this. They're getting other people sick. It's a serious situation. People are being fined a thousand dollars, you know, for being in groups or, you know, being without, you know, permit in certain areas. You know what I mean? Like this is very serious. If we're, if we're to say that guards are immune from the same behavior and not taking it inside and, and still can, you know, uh, passing on the contagion to somebody else, we're fooling ourselves. And if we're not saying there's supposed to be a strict oversight here, we're also fooling ourselves. If we're, if we're fooling ourselves when we're saying that, that Ashley Smith and Eddie Snowshoes and all those other situations that didn't happen, this is, this is lockdown right now. I agree, Lawrence. There's much more to discuss in the days ahead, that's for sure. And uh, we need to keep uh, raising the profile of this and sharing whatever information we have. Thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate it. Not a problem.